the Halloween murders, one of the most infamous murder cases in Northern California history. This is a story about two friends who were brutally murdered on Halloween night by someone they trusted and would have never suspected. He hunted the women, watched them, and then grieved with their families after he killed them. Before we dive into the case, I want to remind you that this is for mature audiences and might not be for everyone. After the episode, I have a shout out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. More on that after the case. The Halloween Murders. Investigators, you're on deadline. From the Hollywood Hills to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline. A podcast discussing cold cases, murder mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now, here's your host, a man who stands in front of crime scene tape and talks on the TV box for a living, Mr. Mystery himself, Matt Johnson. Investigators, thank you for joining me for episode 22, The Halloween Murders, which takes us to Napa, California a city of about 80,000 people according to the last census, making it the second largest city in California wine country just behind Santa Rosa. Sister cities include Tel Aviv, Georgia, and Launceston, Tasmania, Australia. Napa, located 46 miles from San Francisco, which is about an hour and 20 minutes away, and where we find Leslie Mazzara and Adrian Insogna and Lauren Mianza. Three friends who are passing out candy to trick-or-treaters. Basically, kids dressed up in costumes, going door-to-door and asking for candy. And in 2004, top Halloween costumes would have been a princess or a witch for girls, Spider-Man and SpongeBob SquarePants for boys and men, and the top costume for women, according to a quick internet search, Paris Hilton. Now, all three had been roommates for not very long. At first, it was just Lauren and Adrian in the small house on Dorset Street near downtown Napa. The women, best friends, absolutely loved living there, according to their friends and family. Lauren was a 27-year-old local girl and beloved volleyball coach at a nearby college. Adrian was from Australia and had worked at a Napa sanitation district as an engineer. She was 26, outgoing, funny, and strong according to her family and friends. In June of 2004, Leslie moved in. She was a former beauty queen from the South and had just broken up with her boyfriend and moved to Napa. She was working at the Coppola Winery, run by the famous Godfather director Francis Ford Coppola's family. On Halloween night, the three roommates passed out candy. After a while, they turned out the porch light and decided to call it a night. By 11, they were winding down. Leslie and Adrian were upstairs in their rooms. Lauren was downstairs. Lauren says that she went to sleep and wakes up three hours later at around one o'clock to loud noises coming from upstairs. She gets out of bed and just stands there. She's trying to make out what is happening. This is what she told police. Then she heard a scream and a man charging down the stairs. She ran outside again frozen, not really knowing what to do. Should she run? Should she go back in the house? She was in the backyard defenseless and could hear the intruder coming towards her. When for whatever reason, he doesn't see her and jumps out of the same window he entered the house. 
Lauren goes back into the house and heads towards the staircase. Now she's walking up the stairs. They creak under her slippers. Terrified, she makes her way to the top of the stairs and makes a gruesome discovery. Adrian and Leslie were in Adrian's room on the floor covered in blood. They were stabbed multiple times. Adrian was barely alive. Lauren ran out of the house and called 911. When police arrived, both Adrian and Leslie were dead. Napa police spent days at the scene collecting evidence and searching for clues. To the media and to the community, the Napa police were not saying much, just that they didn't feel that it was a random attack. They believed that the killer knew who he was after and where he was going inside that house. Napa police detectives say that they felt he entered Leslie's room first, stabbed her while she was sleeping, and then attacked Adrian. Adrian put up a fight and the killer was injured. At the scene, detectives collected the killer's DNA, blood on the blinds from when he left the home, and cigarette butts outside, an unusual brand, Camel Turkish Gold. They had been smoked down to the filter. Police were investigating round the clock. Tips were coming in from the community, including about the men in Leslie's life. Again, she was new to the area, going out on a few dates, and the killer most likely went to her room first. There was the college boyfriend who bought Leslie a car and then built a webpage dedicated to her after they broke up. And there was a man by the name of William Youngblood Jr., a lawyer Leslie had dated and lived with before they broke up, and she moved to Napa. And his father, who would oddly call her all the time, to the point where they wouldn't even answer the phone at the Napa house because they knew it was him. In fact, that Halloween night in 2004, the night of the murders, Napa police say that there were two calls from the Youngblood home in South Carolina. So they visited him, and both men agreed to give a DNA sample. Both men? Not a match. Now police were looking into reports that Leslie had been dating two men at the time of the murder. And a friend had said that one of the men was very possessive. Police tracked him down, he gave a sample, and he too, not a match. Police also started looking into Adrian's past, but the case quickly went cold. Days turned into weeks and then months. Family and friends were haunted by the murders and must have felt as if nothing could bring them happiness back into their lives, especially since they did not have answers. Then Adrian's best friend Lily and longtime boyfriend Eric Koppel announced they were getting married. After eight years of dating, they were engaged. All their mutual family and friends would go to the wedding, including Adrian's mom, who read scriptures in place of her daughter. By now, a year has passed, and police have interviewed more than a thousand people, boyfriends, friends of friends, people who would know the victims. More than 200 DNA samples had been taken, and no match. Then, in September of 2005, nearly a year later, a break in the case. The DNA from the Camel Turkish Gold cigarette butts collected outside the murder house matched the DNA, the blood that was collected on the window blinds, left by the killer. Police released the information, and five days later, an arrest in the case. A very quiet, shy, 26-year-old man who knew the victims. His name? Eric Koppel, Lily's husband. Lily, who was Adrian's best friend. He allegedly sent suicide notes to his parents after the cigarette information was released by police and all over the news. His family found him 
and convinced him to turn himself in to Napa police, which he did. Lily says that she had never suspected her husband and even did TV interviews with him by her side as she was pleading for anyone with information to come forward. Police believe that he was upset with the amount of time Lily had spent with her friends and that he got so drunk that Halloween night that his girlfriend refused to hang out with him and he got angry. He says that he remembered leaving his house with a knife, smoking out front, watching, breaking in the home, and crawling through the window, but claims he can't remember anything else. He says he has no memory of the murders. The next thing that he remembers, according to police, was burning his bloody clothes and shoes in a fire pit in his backyard. He also would tell prosecutors he didn't know what happened to the knife. With prosecutors, he struck a deal. Eric pleaded guilty to two counts first-degree murder in exchange for the death penalty to be taken off the table. In court, Leslie and Adrian's family broke down in tears as they addressed Eric as a sociopath who knew what he was doing. And then he went on to marry his victim's best friend, Lily. Lily was the final speaker in court and had special permission to speak on her husband's behalf. She said that he wished in his heart that these events had never happened. Then towards the end of her remarks, she turned to her husband and in front of the victim's family, her friend's family, she said that there is nothing that Eric could ever do to make her not love him. The court also allowed him to speak. He said that he was broken, splintered by the awareness of his own potential for wickedness and words evade him to articulate the depths of his sorrow. He went on to say that he was afraid of his relationship with Lily and feared that Adrian was poisoning Lily's feelings towards him. 26-year-old Eric Matthew Koppel is currently serving behind bars. I'll post pictures of the case on my website, truecrimedeadline.com, and Twitter and Facebook under the same name. Remember, after the episode, a shout-out to those who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. But before we go, I want to leave you with this. Leslie's mother, Kathy, is a minister in Michigan. She told reporters that she refuses to live in grief and that she is so grateful to be her mom. She was a gift. Adrian's family also cling to good memories, which is sometimes tough. At one point, they stopped looking at old pictures because Lily is in many of those pictures. And Lily's soon-to-be killer husband, Eric, also in those pictures. Investigators, until next time. Thank you for investigating True Crime Deadline with Matt Johnson. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com. And remember, all tips regarding a case should go to the police. Until next time. Mr. Gatsby, want a cookie? Good boy. Now a post-episode shout-out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Again, writing reviews really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. We're up against networks, studios, TV channels, you name it. So thank you. It's easy. It's free. Just hit five star. Subscribe and tell a friend. Write a review, please. And leave your name um, if you are a podcaster, especially because I can give you a shout out to your podcast as well. So this first one comes from um, Bruce Fluffy Toes in Great Britain. It says, fantastic five stars. Just discovered this podcast. And I have to say it's excellent, informative and well-researched. Well, thank you. We do try. 
The next one says, yes, five star. Love, love, love your podcast. I binged all the episodes. As soon as I found it, keep them coming. And that is from Sewell in United States. The next one is from Ilinka, also in the US, that says, great, love the podcast, exclamation mark. And we do too. Thank you.